This is Real Estate Rookie episode 297. What are you usually making on the side of the duplex that you're renting out? During the summer months, about 24, 2500. During the high season, anywhere from 4000 to 6500. So you're literally covering all of your living expenses and then some. Yeah. And now I'm traveling, for example, for the next five months and I'm midterm renting out my side of my duplex as well for another 2400. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And as always, we're back with an amazing story from an amazing guest. Um, this is actually someone that I, I know personally uh, outside of the, the Bigger Pockets world. Uh, her name's Olivia Tati, uh, and I actually met her initially at my event, and then she joined one of my coaching programs, and she's just an amazing bubble of energy and optimism, and she's got a story where she quit her job, and you know, just so many good nuggets throughout uh, Olivia's entire story, but I really enjoyed this conversation today. Yeah, she has uh, definitely some bravery in her. She attended Tony's conference and put her two weeks notice in at her uh, stable, <laughs> reliable W-2 high-paying job, uh, so... Olivia's story goes into talking about her experience with house hacking, short-term rentals, long-term rentals, and medium-term rentals. She also talks about different side hustles that she has done in one of them, which is pretty, pretty passive for her. She is bringing in around 6K a month uh, doing this uh, little side hustle for income. Uh, So make sure you listen for how she's doing that. Yeah, just overall a really, really good episode. And and what I hope you guys get from Olivia's story more than anything is is the bravery, I guess, or, or the courage to pursue the life that you want. Uh, she's really doing a good job of, of like lifestyle design. Like she did this podcast um, in Zion, like near Zion National Park. And she talked about how she's about to go to Portugal and she wants to live in Europe for half of the year. So if that's the life that you want to live Real estate and the businesses around real estate really can give you the freedom and flexibility to to live that life. But I feel like so many people get stuck in in what's safe and and what's you know, what society expects of us as as people. And and there's there's more to life than just kind of getting up and going to work every day. So if there's anything that you guys take from this episode, I I hope it's that. All right, I want to give a shout out to someone who loved to say five star review on Apple Podcasts. They go by the username Born and Raised SF. Uh, this person says, better than all the rest. Feel like they nailed the format and content really well for Rickies just like me. I started listening to current episodes, and now I'm going back and listening to ones that pertain to my strategy. It's all so incredibly helpful, and the hosts seem like two of the friendliest, most empathetic people, which I want in a podcast host. They also ask their guests insightful questions, and I appreciate how they ask guests to explain concepts and spell out acronyms for the benefits of the audience. Truly couldn't recommend more for the real estate investing people that are curious. That's probably one of the nicest reviews we've got in a while. I like that one. The only thing I would say different is we're nosy. We're not curious. <laughs> yeah. We just want to know how to do something. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're asking those questions for our own self-interest, you know, yeah. trying to figure out how we make it happen. But but to the friendliest and most empathetic people, like that's probably one of the nicest compliments we've got yeah. as, a, as host of this podcast. So um, for all of our rookies that are listening, if you haven't yet, uh, please do take a few minutes. Leave us an honest rating review on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Uh, reviews really do help us reach more people. And the more folks 
folks we can reach, the more folks we can help. And that is the entire purpose of the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. Well, before we bring Olivia onto the show, I want to let you guys know that Tony and I this evening are headed to meet up somewhere in the world. Uh, So you may have seen it on our Instagram stories since this will air at a later date. But listen to uh, some podcast episodes that we record uh, later on because uh, they may just be live and in person. So you know that they will be full of shenanigans. (laughs) (laughs) Is that still a word? (laughs) Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent to retirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Well, Olivia, welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Why don't you start off with telling everyone a little bit about yourself and how you got started in real estate? Yes. Thanks so much. Super excited to be here. Um, So I started investing in real estate about a year and a half ago. Uh, and I recently, well, I say recently now, but it's been about seven months since November that I quit my job. Um, I heard this once at, uh, at a conference, but I am a recovering engineer. Um, so not an engineer anymore. Now I fully invest in real estate. I do a lot of social media. So now I have a YouTube channel and trying to grow my social media presence just in general. Um, and I got started investing in real estate by buying a duplex in New Orleans, which is technically my primary residence and started by house hacking. Before we go any further into the episode for anyone watching on YouTube, I think you need to tell us where your beautiful (laughs) background is. (laughs) You are. It looks like a beautiful sunny day. It is. It's gorgeous. I'm in Utah right now at this place called Auto Camp. It's like uh, like pretty large scale glamping type, like upscale glamping kind of. There's 81 airstreams on the property, which is pretty insane. Um, but I'm kind of using it as like market research because I want to get into like boutique hotels and glamping in this next year's. <laughs> and I also get to feature on my YouTube channel. So, you know, those great like work trips. <laughs> yeah, uh, Olivia, I just you you talked a little bit about this, but I, I think you, you've got some nuances in your story that I, I feel are worth getting into. And for a rookie audience, like just like disclaimer, uh, the way that I know Olivia, she's one of my students in our in our coaching program, but she's just got such an amazing journey. I felt that it was beneficial to kind of share kind of what she's done uh, since I've met her uh, with, with folks in the rookie audience. So Olivia, when I when I met you, you were still working your day job as an engineer and like for for so many people in the country, you kind of had already achieved a piece of the American dream. You went to college, got a, a technical degree. You had a very healthy salary. You know, you had this position that probably would have, you know, you, you would have been employed for the rest of your life, you know, and, and, and you would have been able to retire and do all things the right way. So what was the impetus for you or, or the motivation for you to leave this very comfortable lifestyle you had built for yourself? Yeah. So in... February of last year, we had the return to office. And so (laughs) I guess there's, you know, there's a lot of background that goes into it. But basically, when we started the return to office, my soul just died. (laughs) Um, I had basically spent the last two years during COVID being able to work from home. I got my real estate license as well. So I was already selling real estate on the side. And my life just felt like enjoyable and and. I had more control over my time in my life. And so the second we started going back into the office, I was commuting an hour each way to work, um, which was not fun. And I just started getting so angry and frustrated. And if you know me, I'm not a very angry person. (laughs) So and it was funny because like one of like my best friend and she's also my business partner, she was like, "Um, I'm going to need you to stop complaining because it's like starting to affect me mentally. And that's when I was like, "Okay, I need to get out of it. Like, this is not good for my soul. (laughs) Um, and it's funny because um, before, so I, I ended up going to the short-term rental summit. So Tony, your conference. Um, but before that, I was actually selected for a, um, it's like top performers, like retreat type of thing. People who are supposed to be like in leadership in the company and are like up and coming. And I went to that retreat and I was like, this is no, <laughs> this is not where I want to be. This is just not it um and i think it's like having that taste of freedom really just kind of skyrocketed it for me and that's when all the gears started changing and then i actually won tickets to tony's conference and went to the conference and came out and put in my two weeks notice (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. That's incredible. Okay. So let, let's kind of start right there. So at the conference, you decide you putting in your two weeks notice, what were kind of the safety nets you had that you could go ahead and make that decision? Yeah. So buying my duplex was honestly like step number one. And I didn't realize how much of a safety net it really was because especially like and I still don't really take any money from it. Um, But I was just kind of like building up this little nest egg. But the cool thing about my duplex is it covered all of my living expenses. So I I knew that even if like push came to shove, I would. It's literally me and my dog. I like that is my family right now and the only people I have to take care of. So I knew that like if push came to shove, I would be able to survive off of ramen for the next few months and still be totally okay. <laughs> so that was like the the first step. And like my duplex also cash flows too. So I have like extra money coming in from that. But then I also have lots of other side gigs like my social media stuff. And I knew I was going to be okay. I just like needed the push. And then that's also when I started um, our short-term rental business too. And I say our because I brought, I like literally after that conference, I was on the flight home and I text my best friend who we just like literally talk every day, do everything together. And she's heard me talk about real estate for years. Um, and I'm like, so I think I'm going to start this business. Do you want to join me? <laughs> so that's how everything just all started. <laughs> so Olivia, if we can, I just want to kind of drill down a little bit on this uh, a bit more. So at that moment, you said that you were, you were angry, you were upset um, about the idea of like going back into the office. But I mean, like it, it has to be a really strong emotional reaction to say like, this is a big enough of an issue for me to want to leave my job. So I guess just, just kind of walk us through like just not only the logical side of like, I want to leave, but just mentally, emotionally, what was kind of going on for you to say like, this is enough. This is what I'm, I'm going to leave because of this. Yeah. I mean, it was really hard because at first my like, so I had already started looking to leave a few months earlier. So I started applying to some like tech jobs, but my whole background is in oil and gas. Like I've been a chemical engineer since like I st- first started college that because you were supposed to figure out your major freshman year. And I was like, sure, whatever. <laughs> um, So literally my entire like formal background is in chemical engineering and oil and gas, but I didn't want to be in oil and gas or chemical engineering anymore. So I'm like, it's fine. I'll just apply to tech jobs. But this is also when tech jobs stop hiring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's just like all of these things started happening. I was like, huh, I'm not getting a job as quickly as I thought I would be. And now I just feel stuck. And I was just getting really like down and depressed. And I remember I told my parents I was planning on leaving. And that was a whole thing because they were like, what are you doing with your life, etc. So I I really went through like this emotional and like mental like breakthrough. It was really it was hard. It was like an identity change because for the last 10 years, I've been an engineer and I've been like um, advocating for women in engineering, black people in engineering and all of that stuff. And suddenly I was just kind of letting it go. So that was like really hard just like personally to work through because it felt like I was like letting a part of my identity go. Um, But then I just saw like how much upside there was to it. Like I was so much happier when I got to do real estate things and when I was setting up properties and when I was doing all of this stuff. So that kind of just like pushed me over the edge. But like also... Um, the way I won tickets to like Tony's conference is I don't even actually remember like signing up for this giveaway because Tony was doing like a social media giveaway. And I I was like, 
depressed basically on the couch and like a little bit inebriated. <laughs> but I like don't remember actually signing up. Um, but I was in such a bad mental space. And then three days later, I get this notification on Instagram from Tony being like, congratulations, Olivia, you have won tickets. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, and I, I remember I was supposed to go offshore like during the conference, like to the Gulf in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. And I was like, nope, I am putting in vacation days. I am going to this conference. This is a sign. And so that kind of just like spearheaded everything. And then I went offshore the next day when I got back. <laughs> Asha, I just want to like point out like, you know, me, you and Olivia all kind of have like that same identity crisis type thing after college, right? Like I initially went to school to be an engineer. I, I was actually working at Chevron. Isn't that where you work too, Olivia, at Chevron? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was, I was also working at Chevron as an engineer. Ashley, you know, you, you went the accounting route and it, it's like, it is difficult because you go to school for all these years and you pour into this identity of who you are and to, to come to this realization that it's not what you, it's not who you want to be anymore. It is a difficult pill for a lot of people to swallow, but I think we should all give ourselves some, I don't know, I like we should be proud of ourselves for a uh, being so young and kind of making that decision. But but second, just having the courage to do that because there are people who feel that feeling inside of them for years, decades, for their entire life sometimes, but they're never able to really pull that trigger and, and make that change happen. And one of the things that I always thought and, and, and kind of fall back on, it's like, if I make this decision and say things don't work out, I always know I can go back out and get another job doing exactly what everyone else is doing. And I would think for you, Olivia, like with your degree, with your skill set, say that your business and and real estate just completely crashed. It it, it didn't perform in the way that you wanted it to. You could probably go out and get another job being an engineer and just continue down that same path. Like, was that at all part of what made you feel comfortable moving forward? Completely. And I actually remember I wrote this down. I think it was like a real estate rookie podcast. But you said this, Tony. It's like if the worst case scenario is doing what everyone else is doing. I think it was something like along that lines, then you're doing pretty well. Like you're doing pretty okay. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that's so true. Like if that's my worst case scenario, like that's not a terrible worst case scenario. Let's go into a couple um, or into your house hack first, the duplex house hack. And let's go over um, how you were able to purchase that and what that deal kind of looked like. For sure. Yeah. So I guess I'll start with like the the thing that got me into real estate in general was during COVID, you know, after the first like few months where everyone was kind of over all the Zoom calls and all of that, um, I just kind of got bored. I remember I was doing Whole30, so was really healthy and wasn't like drinking and doing the Zoom happy hours or anything like that. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to get my real estate license because at the time I was actually twenty five thousand dollars in credit card debt. Because <laughs> I'm, and that there's a whole other story. <laughs> um, but so I was like, okay, how am I going to make some money on the side to help pay for this credit card debt? And so I started studying for my real estate license. And I'm a big podcaster, so I started looking up, you know, real estate podcasts. Fell onto bigger pockets, like a lot of people do, and became obsessed. So I made a goal of like paying all of my credit card debt off within the next 12 months. Um, and I ended up paying it off in eight months. And that's when I started looking for duplexes. But being in the real estate community kind of, I think, is what really helped me find that first duplex because it was a friend of mine. I told everyone that I wanted I was looking for a duplex, basically. And a friend of mine who's also a realtor, she'd sent this to me and it was like a new construction. And I was actually in Nashville during 
um, that time and she sent it to me. So I put an offer in like sight unseen that day. Didn't end up getting that one because I was doing FHA and someone else beat out. But it was since it was a new construction, I knew it was a builder and that they like usually have other projects coming on. So I ended up reaching out to the builder and being like, hey, do you have any new projects? Like, I would love to get something under contract, like before it actually hits the market because I'm going FHA and I know I'm not super competitive and it's 2021 and the real estate market's insane. <laughs> and so they did. And that and I like got under contract on it like a week after seeing that first one, like that same day when I went to go see the lot. Um, and they were about two months out from finishing out that project. What a unique strategy of going direct to the builder because obviously it's saving them the the time and convenience and maybe even commission to a realtor by going not even having to market the property for rent. Olivia, I'm curious, how did you get that that builder's contact info? So I reached out to the real like the selling realtor and she gave me her contact his contact. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned that because we've used that same strategy to help build our short-term rental portfolio. Like, you know, you, you've seen our, our tiny homes in Joshua Tree and the majority, like all of those came from one builder. And it was the same thing. He had one property listed. We reached out to him and said, hey, we're looking to buy more. And he had a lot more in the pipeline. And we ended up buying the majority of those properties from him. And I think going direct to builder is honestly one of the like under one of the most underrated strategies that enough people don't talk about. And Ash, we had one guest. Um, I want to say he was in Texas somewhere, but if you remember, he kept buying Austin, I think. Yeah, it was in, he Austin, was in Austin, right? Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Where he would go and buy, uh, he was like house hacking new construction. So he'd buy new construction, live in it for a year, sell it, go buy another new construction. And he just kept doing the same thing over and over again. It was a, a great way to uh, to build to build capital. And he was going and he was putting a deposit down almost a year in advance to get into phase one. And by the time his house was complete and he would move in, they had already started phase two, phase three. And people were already paying way over what he purchased in phase one, that they're already built in equity or built in appreciation on those properties. So, yeah, that was a super unique strategy that he was doing is going and putting, I think it was like a thousand dollars. Yeah, something something really super small. Well, yeah, that's like even for this duplex, I think I only put a thousand dollar deposit, which was weird because usually you're putting at least like, you know, three to five thousand at a minimum. (laughs) I want to go back to the house hack. Before we do, Olivia, you also mentioned that you paid off $25,000 in eight months. And you you kind of glossed over that, but that is an amazing accomplishment. And we've, we've recently done some episodes about like side hustles and, and how people can use side hustles to fuel their real estate business. So, I, I mean, you didn't necessarily use the 25K to buy your real estate deal, but you did use it to pay off an, a lot of debt, which helps you get your real estate deal. Was all of that 25K earned through your real estate commissions as an agent or was there other things you were doing? Yeah, well, so like part of it was, but part of it was um, I just doubled down. Like I literally, because I made it, I, you know, the whole Dave Ramsey, and I know Dave Ramsey, like with real estate investors, yada, 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 but Dave Ramsey's fantastic for like paying off debt um, and like making it a game. I think I used either like the snowball method or whatever it was. So it's like each time where I could actually see that balance come because I've been sitting on that twenty five thousand dollars worth of credit card debt for about a year. Like I I joined my company the year before that. And I was like, it's going to be great because I I finished grad school, started my job. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have a six figure job. I'm going to be able to pay this off in no time. (laughs) And then a year later, I was like, huh, that 
Like, did that go up? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just doubling down and, like, making it a game. So each month I would pay more and more and more off. So th- this this episode isn't necessarily about you being an agent, but I'm just curious, like, w- once you get your license, once you got your license, what steps did you take to actually start finding clients as a new agent? Because I, I think it's easy for a lot of folks to get their license, but to actually start earning commissions um, is is a bit more difficult for people. So as a new agent, what steps did you take to to find your first few clients? Yeah, I mean, social media was always my big thing. So I would like Every Wednesday in New Orleans, they have open houses. So I would do like weekly quizzes on how much houses were in New Orleans and do like property tours and stuff all over my social media. So I I think it was like on Thursdays and I called it like tours with Tati or something. And everyone would like comment on it and all of that. And they'd be like, oh, I have a friend who's actually looking for a house. So they would like send them over to me and just like talking to a lot. Like I told all of my friends, even at work, I told everyone at work, I was like, by the way, I got my real estate license. (laughs) So I sold to a lot of my coworkers as well, um, like that were my same age or a little bit older than me. Um, but that was I mean, it's it is one of those situations where if you don't if you just get your license, you're not going to automatically start making commission. It's definitely a grind. And I knew that I didn't want to necessarily be a realtor full time. It was more like a venue to like get into real estate and like learn more about it and then also make income and kind of be a part of that community. What would you say were maybe the top three things that you learned or were large advantages of being a licensed real estate agent um, to help you towards your investing career? What are like three things you could think of off the top of your head that you think of like, these are the reasons you should get your license. This is what I learned. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, to back that out, it's like, I don't think everyone needs to get their license, but I actually really like my life. Like I love, I still, even though I don't sell actively right now, I still have my license and still make money off of it from referrals. So that's maybe number one. It's like, even if you don't sell actively, you can make money through referrals. So literally I'll just refer out my friends or people that I know to other agents and I'll just make income from that. So like this month, this last month, I made like $6,000 just from referrals, which is like a pretty solid like extra income. Um, The other thing is um, just like being around the people, right? Like people who know real estate, people who understand real estate and understanding the transaction process. So like I was my own agent for my dupe for like any property that's in Louisiana and even properties in other states, I, I like know the process. So sometimes, which is something I probably need to be better at, is I end up like taking like the agent role because I know what needs to be done and like getting things done and doing like, so you just like know the process super well. Another thing that I would say was great about getting, becoming a real estate agent is it's like a way for people to know you. It's a way for people to like know you as the real estate person. So like, I think people are confused as to like how people will reach out to me and it's because like for the like even though I just became a real estate investor over the last year and a half I've been like plugging myself as the real estate person since I got my license so that was like two and a half years ago so I've kind of like been the real estate person in my community for a while now there's a couple of things I want to I want to talk about. But first, I want to talk about the the six k and referral income. So, for folks that don't understand what that means, can you can you break down exactly how how are you generating six k last month without selling any homes as a real estate agent? Yeah. So basically, like I'll have friends that will either t- tell me that they're looking to buy a new property, and it doesn't even have to be in my market. Like 
I think one of them was for this last month was in Colorado. Another one was in New Orleans, um, just all over the place. But especially if you're in the real estate investing community, if you're a realtor, what you can do is refer them to another realtor in a different state in that area that they're looking to buy. And then you negotiate with the realtor a like referral fee. So usually for me, it's 20 to 25 percent of the other realtor's commission. So if they close with that realtor, then you receive that income just for just connecting the two, which is honestly like I'm like, I need to do more of those because that was too easy. Yeah. yeah, I saw Tony make a little note, get real estate license when you yeah. were talking, when you mentioned the well, 6K. <laughs> well, you know, Sarah's actually been working on her on her real estate license here in California for that reason, because we have so many people that reach out to us asking for agent referrals. And obviously, we, we send people who we feel is, is a good match. But if we're able to kind of monetize that relationship as well, it, it makes sense for us. Um, but the, the other thing you mentioned, Olivia, and this is something that Ash and I talk about a lot on the podcast also, is you you positioned yourself as the person, uh, the, the real estate person in your circle. And I think so many rookies struggle with that when they're new because they feel that they don't necessarily have, I don't know, maybe value to add. But for everyone that's listening, I think all of you should be actively talking about this journey that you're going on. And it could be just telling your coworkers, like, hey, guys, like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at buying my first real estate uh, investment this year. Or uh, if you're your church group, wherever, just like if you can start communicating and sharing with people that you are now a real estate investor, even if you don't have your first deal yet, just like you said, people start to think of you in that way. And when opportunities come up, they're going to give that opportunity to you because they've associated you with with real estate. So I, I, I think so many people just miss that opportunity, Olivia. So I, I appreciate you sharing that, that it's worked well for you. Yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely the move. <laughs> I want to go back to the house hack because we started talking about it and we, we got sidetracked a little bit. Um, so you're, you're house hacking this this duplex, right? So you're living in one half and you're you're renting out the other half. I guess talk to us, uh, Olivia, about what that process has been kind of now that you're a landlord, you're renting out this other half. Are you long-term renting, short-term renting, medium-term renting? Like, what are you doing with this other other part of the, the duplex? For sure. I do want to touch on one thing. So like, so for this duplex too, I came out of like pocket, like cash in the bank, zero dollars, which was dope. Um, and like part of that, there are three different strategies that I use basically. First one was FHA loan, so low down payment. So it was only like $399,000, so about a 15K down payment. And then with closing costs and everything, it was supposed to be about 25 to close. But because I was a realtor, I could roll my commissions into my closing costs. So that reduced my closing costs to about $15,000. And then on top of that, I used a 401k loan to actually fund it. Um, so... Like basically I had money sitting in my 401k that I was doing fine. It wasn't doing great. And I was like, I know that I can put this to better use, but I didn't want to pay like the extra 10% penalty on top of it. So I was like, let me see if I can take a 401k loan out. And if you're at least for my 401k, if you're buying a primary residence, you can take out um, a 401k loan that's either top of what's in your 401k or up to $50,000. And it was like a 3% 30-year fixed loan. And I still have it and it's just chilling and I pay like $100 a month off of it, which is great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then became a landlord, which uh, so I ran the numbers on it three different ways because it's in New Orleans. And New Orleans, if you if you look at my YouTube channel, I've been posting all about the change in regulations in New Orleans, um, but it's in the city, right? And as we know, short-term rentals, like 
the regulations are constantly changing, especially in cities. So I made sure to run it as a long-term rental, medium-term rental, short-term rental with the intention of short-term renting it out. But then if needed, I could convert it into a medium-term rental. So I started off fully short-term renting it out. This year, I've been playing around with medium-term rentals and short-term rentals, a mix of it since we're having to reapply for our short-term rental licenses this summer. And also just in the summer in general, the numbers like are par and par with a short-term rental and a medium-term rental. So for the summer in general in New Orleans, now I'm just doing medium-term rentals. It doesn't even make sense to short-term rent them out. Olivia, I love um, that you are going in and looking at what are your different strategies for the property and making sure that it could work multiple ways. And even if you are purchasing a property and you know, like I'm doing short-term rental on this, it doesn't hurt anything to run the numbers as the property as a long-term rental or a midterm rental just to see like, okay, worst case scenario, I have to transition to another strategy This is what the numbers would look like for me. And I've been doing the same too as I turned um, one short-term rental into a medium-term rental. And then the other one, we kind of go back and forth. When we get interest on the medium-term rental and we don't have it available, we've been trying to put people into the short-term rental to kind of block off like large chunks at a time. Um, so it's been really interesting. And over the summer month, we saw the same thing too, where there was so much demand for medium term rentals than we were seeing as to like people booking as short term rentals. So we had large openings that we were able to fill with medium term rentals because our just, there's been such a lag in people booking, uh, trips like our one short term rental, it's a little A-frame property. And our booking lead time, like on average right now, is like two weeks before it actually happens. Like we will start the month with maybe the weekends booked, but then all the weekdays fill in like within that month as they come up. So it's been super interesting to like have that security of the other short-term rentals turning medium-term rentals where for the other two that we turn medium term rentals, they are completely booked for the whole summer. And it's like the A-frame property. It's like, okay, holding our breath, making sure we're getting on them. We have been getting them. It's just like that that lead time is just like really that window is really decreasing. Tony, what about, what are you seeing as far as that over the, the summer? Yeah, it, it kind of varies by the market. So in Joshua Tree, our, our booking lead times always decrease during the summer months because not as many people are traveling. The inverse is true in the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee, where our booking lead times typically increase because we see a spike in travel um, in, in the Smoky Mountains during the summer months. But I'd say in general, post-COVID, um, or I'd say like post-2021, just across the country, you've seen booking lead times come down a little bit. Like we we had booking lead times at certain points in 2021 that were like 90 days out, right? And and like we would be filled. And it's not because we were underpriced, like just the entire market was kind of moving at that pace. But I think what you've seen uh, across the entire industry is that 2020, late 2022, early 2023, you're seeing booking lead times just across the, the industry kind of come down a little bit. Tony, out of curiosity, have you looked into turning any of your short-term rentals into medium-term rentals? And I'm curious as to like what that would look like in markets like Joshua Tree and the Smoky Mountains that are so heavy on short-term rentals. You know, we we actually tried it with one of our properties that had a really long delay on getting its permit approved. 
And, you know, we said, okay, if we can't short-term rent it, like we don't want to keep paying this, you know, it was like a $4,000 mortgage. Like let's, let's try and medium term rent it. And we got no interest. Like we put it on, on furnish finder. We put it, you know, on Airbnb, on Verbo. And I, I think for a lot of the true vacation destinations where there's not a lot of business travel or, you know, maybe family visiting people or nurses, whatever the case is, uh, th- the ability to medium term rent is, is, is a lot smaller. But if you're in a, in a metro like, New Orleans, or you're in uh, some somewhat of a more like suburban or urban setting, or even where you're at, actually, like you know, you've got like Niagara Falls isn't too far from like where your your short term rentals at, right? Like if there's some other things that might draw people in to stay for a while, I think you have a better shot. But in a pure vacation destination, um, someone booking you know 30, 60 days and those markets just isn't isn't as common. I will say also for medium term rentals, it's less like I feel like with short term rentals, it's kind of Passive in terms of bookings, because people kind of just come to you, whereas with medium term rentals, a lot of the times you'll be seeking other people out. So like Furnish Finder, you'll like it's people aren't usually actually the ones reaching out to you. You a lot of the times have to go like I'll go in and I'll send emails out to everyone. I'll contact them by text and through Furnish Finder to make sure that I'm like people know that the property is available. So you, you it's less of a just listed and people book. You kind of have to go and seek people out a little bit more. Yeah. It, for our um, medium term rentals right now, we have two engineers that are in each of them. There's a lot of uh, gas line uh, construction work that is going on. And then over the summer, we actually have in both short term rentals, we have family that is coming in for the summer to visit family. And instead of staying with family, they just wanted their own place. And that's the same for both of them. I'm Olivia, I'm curious as far as in New Orleans, how you're getting guests for your midterm rental. Is it, you know, traveling nurses or are you seeing a, a specific clientele for that market? Yeah. So I get nurses, I get people doing fellowship because we have a lot of universities here too. So either people doing research or fellowship. I have someone who's doing like, he's a lawyer and he's doing a law internship. So a lot of people will come to work here for a couple of months. And then I know other people, especially if you have more of like a luxury short term rental, um, there it, there's a big movie industry in New Orleans as well. So you'll get a lot of actors that are coming in or producers or photographers and things like that. <laughs> The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. When Bigger Pockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a store, but then books, so many books, best-selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch stage to the first order stage to the, did we just sell out the whole store stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling real estate books or retro clothing, Shopify's platform helps you sell everywhere, online or in person. Now, speaking of online, did you know Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better than other leading commerce platforms? And no matter how big you grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control of your business. And that's why we chose Shopify for the Bigger Pockets bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash bprookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash bprookie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash bprookie. Hiring? Your search is over. Really, there's no need to search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com slash rookie. Just go to Indeed.com slash rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash rookie. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. So Olivia, I just want to recap the numbers on, on your house hack, and then we can move into some of the other uh, uh, like projects you got going on here. But for, for that other unit, I guess just give us the full numbers. You said you paid $399 for it. So uh, what's your what's your mortgage on on that duplex? It's about a little under $2,400. And does that also include the, the monthly payment to pay back your 401k loan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all in about twenty four hundred. Yeah, and then with utilities and everything, probably like twenty six hundred. Okay, and then what are you usually making on the other side, on the the side of the duplex that you're renting out? Yeah, so over the sum, like so, the summer months are the low months. So during the summer months, about twenty four, twenty five hundred. During the like high season, which is October to about May, anywhere from. 4,000 to 6,500. So wow. de- depending on the month, because we've got Mardi Gras, we've got Jazz Fest, we've got French Quarter, like there are festivals every week. Everyone always asks me when's the best time to come to New Orleans. I'm like, literally anytime except the summer, but even in the summer, you can have fun. So <laughs> so you're you're literally covering all of your living expenses with the other side of the duplex and then some. Yeah. And now I am nomading because I don't have to be um, in New Orleans for work anymore. I can be wherever I want. So I'm traveling, for example, for the next five months and I'm midterm renting out my side of my duplex as well for another 2400 That's awesome. That's super cool. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Olivia. Are there any other income streams that you have going on? We, you know, we talked about your rental income, uh, your referral income. Is there anything else that you are currently doing to bring in income? Um, so I have a few. Um, so I do social media. So I, I like that's through brand partnerships as well as affiliate links. So I'll get some income from that. I did also get like a part time like when I when I quit, I quit with like no part time job or anything. But then two weeks later, someone reached out because they were looking for a project manager. So I was like, sure, I'll do that a little bit on the side. I don't really do much of it anymore. I think I work like three hours a week. <laughs> um, 
but it's like some extra income and they pay super well. So it's just like a nice little extra stability. But I think I'm probably going to end that here this summer. And then now we also have a short term rental business. Oh, and we started a design company. How did I forget that? <laughs> That's like the, one of the big ones. So we started a um, real estate design company for short term rentals. We'll occasionally do like people's personal like personal homes, but generally focused on short term rentals. And that brings in a good amount of income as well. That's a great business. I think that there is so much that goes into the design. I was watching on social media the other day, somebody that it was a husband and wife team and they were putting together, you know, their short-term rental. And I looked at it and I was just like, like, it's really cool things they're putting in there, but it's just not that wow factor. It's like, there really is, if you look at some, you know, some of these places like Tony and Sarah, like all these little pieces and it all just fits together and it's like stands out and it's like, wow. And I was thinking like, what a big difference that makes is you can tell when it's professionally done compared to, you know, it's just, you know, one person or husband and wife couple, it's maybe their first Airbnb and they're just going and they're try. they're like, let's do a beach theme or whatever. And it's just random stuff thrown over and not like well put together. Um, one of my friends I saw, they, they did a short-term rental where they have like a karaoke stage and stuff in it and like all these things. And, you know, it's just very cool. So, um, that's awesome about your design because I think that definitely adds a, a lot of value to someone's listing is when the design is well worth it. Let me ask one follow-up question to you, Olivia. Um, what do you feel are some mistakes, and this kind of ties into what you just said, Ashley, what do you feel are some mistakes you've seen uh, short-term rental hosts make when it comes to designing their Airbnbs? Um, not putting curtains in and sticking to like regular blinds. That just like kills my soul. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another big one is, so, you know, light fixtures are a very, like, not even just light fixtures, but like the receptacles, electrical receptacles, just changing those out makes such a big difference. And like when you walk into a space, if you see like a kind of like an old school gross electrical receptacle that's like beige versus like a clean white one or one that's like painted so that it actually like fits in and flushes perfectly with the wool like those are just like small little details that people don't know to do not changing like plumbing fixtures another thing that i do notice too is like trying to cram too many people into a space and not being able to like actually fit that many people in that space (laughs) and that's something we like kind of have to do like especially when we are working with clients is sometimes they'll want to fit in like 14 people into a 1600 square foot home. And it's just like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> but but then there's only seating for six at the table. That's the one yeah. thing that I've noticed before. It's like, oh, it yeah. sleeps 14, but there's only a, a four person table <laughs> ready to eat at. The other thing to consider when you're doing that too, like is there's this saying in the Airbnb industry about heads and beds, right? Like you make more revenue when you can get more heads and beds. But a lot of cities, counties, ordinances, whatever that have recently passed, they've started to limit the number of people that you can even legally put inside of your property. So just for everyone that's listening, as you're designing your short-term rental, not only do you want to think about it from a design and like comfort perspective for your guests, but also just kind of think um, legally if if you can actually fit more than a certain number of people into a specific listing. Yeah, totally. That's just exactly what happened in New, in New Orleans, actually. They've like capped it to six people total in a short-term rental. So. Wow, interesting. Yeah, great tip, you guys, for someone to to check that out. 
Okay, Olivia, I am going to take us to our rookie exam. So I hope you're ready. The first question is, what is one actionable thing rookies should do after listening to this episode? Yeah, I've got I've got a few. <laughs> if, that's, if that's okay, I'll try and start with the first one is uh, post on social media. Tell everyone like that's just when people know that you're in the industry, like so many opportunities come your way. Like I feel like even just me being here right now, like so much of it is just because I tell everyone what I'm doing. <laughs> um, so I think that's just like a super easy way. And I know that, you know, everyone's self-conscious and stuff like that, but you kind of just have to get over it. I'm sorry. but <laughs> And just you can start small. You can start just by like telling your close friends and then you like post one thing on social media a week. And social media is such an easy way to do it because you can reach so many more people than just your like close knit group of friends or the people that you know. Olivia, I think you didn't say this, but I think the other thing that you do phenomenally well and what I would hope people take away from this is just like getting in the right, like, like surrounding yourself with the right group of people because you're, you're in my coaching program. I know you're also in Heather Blankenship's coaching program. I see you at like every single real estate conference that happens. You're, you're always like networking and meeting new people and you, you just do this phenomenal job of building your network and, and not in a self-serving way, but in a very, um, kind of focused about just like trying to provide value to other people as well. And like genuine. Yeah. A very genuine way of connecting with people. And I, you know, you may not even know it, but I really do feel that that's, that's led to a lot of your success as well. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number two, what's one tool, software app or system that you use in your business? Okay. For a lot, like all of my businesses, Canva is freaking amazing. I love Canva. I'm actually going to do like a YouTube video. on like how to design. So even for our design business, I design everything in Canva. And it's such a like cheap tool to use for how powerful it is. I even did like a crash course on how to use Canva for some of some folks in another mastermind group. But it's just such a good, easy tool to use, especially for anyone that's just getting started and wants like I used it in my real estate like agent business and I used it in my real estate investor business and my design business and for social media posts and everything. Um, but then on the real estate side, I recently just started using Turno, um, which is like a cleaning app like to manage your cleaners and stuff. And I have been obsessed with it. It's changed my life. So <laughs> I started using it a month ago and it's been super great. Tony, is that the same one you use or is yours a different one? So uh, we don't use Turno. We use a company called Breezeway for ours, but they all function pretty similarly. Yeah, just to give everyone a couple options. Okay, Olivia, last question. Where do you plan on being in five years? Yes, so I am a big traveler. I've been to over 50, I've been to 52 countries, probably hitting 53 at some point this year. (laughs) Um, And I plan on traveling for the next few months. I'm even bringing my dog to Portugal with me. So that will be fun. (laughs) Um, But in the next five years, my big goal is to be able to spend at least half of the year in Europe. Um, So I want to buy a place in Italy. That's my my big goal (laughs) there. Um, But from a real estate standpoint, I really want to start getting into the boutique hotel side of things just because I've recently purchased like single family homes with investors. But I just love my duplex because there are multiple income streams coming from one property. So I want to buy more of those type of things where and still do the short term rental things because I love the short term rental side of things. And I love hospitality and I love creating cool, different, fun, unique experiences, but kind of 
doing it on a larger scale by having like one or two or three or four um, boutique hotels around the country and potentially even going internationally for it. So like boutique hotel in Italy. How fun would that be? <laughs> yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, Olivia. Um, my kids are going to be jealous that um, your dog is going to Portugal and I'm only like, taking them <laughs> to Orlando. So. <laughs> Well, Olivia, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We really appreciated having you come on and share your knowledge with everyone. And congratulations on all your success thus far. Can you let everyone know where they can reach out to you and find out some more information about you? Yes, I am super active on social media. So Instagram is going to be at the Olivia Tati, like T-H-E Olivia Tati. Um, Instagram is going to be my main one. You can also follow me or subscribe to my channel on YouTube. I'm growing. <laughs> um, but it's also at the Olivia Tati. Uh, Olivia Tati, the Wanderlust host, is like my name on there. Um, and pretty much post about real estate investing, short-term rentals, and also all of the cool short-term rentals that I go to around the world. So like this place that I'm at right now is going to be on there, the place that I was just at as well, and just kind of like interviewing hosts and their stories and everything about life and travel too. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Um, Thanks again for coming on. And thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals, and he is Tony at Tony J. Robinson. And we will be back on Saturday with a Ricky reply. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.